Uh, my first name is G, J-I. My last name is Ma, M-A. And uh, I'm from China. I'm currently a PhD student in language and literacy at Georgia State University. And this is my second year in the, this program. And how many children do you have? I have two. One is five, the other one is two. And both of them will turn to three and six uh, in October and August, respectively. Uh, so you're, you're, my kids are pretty close in age to yours. My twins are three and they'll be four in December. And then my two-year-old, um, he'll be three in February. So he has a little bit, a little bit of ways to go, but it's nice to, to meet a mom with kids close in age to mine. Yeah. Wow. You have <laughs> twins, identical yeah. twins. Uh, yeah, well, no, they're fraternal. So I had a, a boy and girl twin set. And ah. then I had my little guy just like the a, the year, a year later. So I have three toddlers in total. So <laughs> it's not easy. It is something else. And they're all, they're each like 40 pounds. Like it's crazy to have to pick them up. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I basically lift weights just so I can keep up with the kids. It's crazy. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that's a lot. Healthy and heavy babies. <laughs> I know, I'm like, why are my kids so huge already? But it's just, I don't know if I'm feeding them too many fruits and vegetables. Maybe I need to, to cut down on the healthy stuff. I'm kidding, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can understand. My daughter is 42 pounds and my son is 82. It's oh really my gosh. Hard. So you're strong too. We both have 120 pounds worth of children. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, so I have to ask you, what advice would you give to new mothers? Um, firstly, don't panic. I was the one who felt panic um, at the first time. I knew I got pregnant uh, for my second child because the first child, I was not able to get pregnant for many years. So I did the IVF and got a lot of injections. And uh, I tried two times, travel from one city to another for two years to get pregnant. And um, probably laid in bed for three months to keep the baby. <laughs> That's how hard to get a first child. And uh, we both, both uh, my husband and I felt very lucky that I'm able to have my son. And we started to um, raise him up and struggled a lot at the first several months. And uh, when he turned to 15 month, we decided to pursue my master's degree in the United States. So we took him here. And after one year, I found I'm pregnant naturally, uh, no interventions. And we, we did some um, preventions as well, but I'm pregnant. Um, but suddenly, everything changed. Uh, because she is not expected and a lot of plans has to be changed. When I heard a notice from the nurse that I'm pregnant, I literally cried 
in his office because I felt so stressful. I decided to pursue a PhD degree and um, my son is still young and a lot of financial stresses as well. Uh, how could I be able to raise another child in a different country with a lot of challenges? Um, but then everything will be fine. <laughs> um, so I found that a lot of moms will give stress to themselves, but feel calm down first, then let it be and to do what you planned to do and to try your best. Because I found out that the babies will be the best gift to you. They understand your body as well. So during your pregnancy, especially for me, during my pregnancy, my daughter didn't cause any trouble uh, at all. And then when uh, he, oh, she, um, was born, we figured out how to shift our working hours and got different support from different people. Uh, so even though we don't have, fam we didn't have family support in this country, we figured out a way to raise both of the children up uh, while doing different works. <laughs> I was working uh, as a GA during that time and I cannot, um, such as quit that job and just focus on study. Otherwise I have to pay for out of state tuition. So basically um, limited choice, but if we calm down and focus on the plans, I think we can solve problems step by step. That's the advice I could give. Well, I have to say when I, when I, and everybody um, who's listening to this, um, G is the recipient of our Dorothy Ways uh, scholarship fund. Uh, she's one, she's actually the first recipient of that specific award. And we, we were just so compelled by like everything that she told us. And we realized how strong you are. Like you're such an incredibly strong person and mom. And we just, we're going to probably bother you all the time now, just to, <laughs> just to keep up with you and see how you're doing. But uh, I, ha I have to applaud you. Like you said, going, coming to another country, um, doing a master's and a doctorate and going through a pregnancy. I went through both of my pregnancies during my doctorate program. So I know, I know like some of the struggles of like having to put your feet up and making sure you have adequate snacks and then holding your, your, uh, your baby while you're writing papers and you're pregnant. So I, I have to say, I applaud you for going through all of that too. Yeah. I still I can still remember the time when I was trying to pump <laughs> during work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, was, yeah, that's crazy. Like yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I and you have to do it so often. That's like and it's 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 just it interrupts your entire day to have to like remember the schedule and get up and it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you now uh within your program? Uh this is my second year, actually the third semester. I finished uh, one year and a half and started in 2020, January. And when I started the first two months, the pandemic started. <laughs> oh, so <boy>. basically, 
I was in the program for two months and to interact with some of the professors, started to know people, and then everything started to shut down and everything moved to online. Um, and I was new to this city, this state, and uh, I was in Tennessee earlier. So we moved to Georgia in December and tried to find a place to live. Uh, actually, I have to mention that when we moved from China to the United States, we have four luggages and one child. <laughs> that's oh all we have. That's yeah. all we have. <laughs> and there is a um, language difference and a cultural difference between two countries. So when I was in China, I read the description on the website about the students' um, apartment. It said, furnished. And in China, all the furnished department, uh, apartments mean you have bed and all the furnitures, uh, but you, you need to prepare the beddings and all the stuff you need to use for your life. But here I see a kitchen and nothing else. So, so we, we landed uh, uh, the school, we arrived at a school around 4 p.m. in the winter and I opened the door and I found nothing <laughs> in the apartment. Uh, then we got um, donations and went to shift uh, stores. We didn't have a car at that time. So uh, we figured out how to settle down. But when we started to move from Tennessee to Georgia, we left everything in Tennessee because the cost of the furniture is less than the cost of renting a car to move them to here. And we didn't find a place to live during that time. So we lived in one of the friend's house for almost 10 months, <laughs> lived with two other kids and uh, one, of our, one of our friends. Um, we were very lucky to get that support, but it was really far away from school as well. So the first two months, when was uh, in from moved from Tennessee to Georgia, it was difficult, and uh, we started to find a way how to find a GA job, shadow down <laughs> doctor program, started to know different things. And master level courses are different from PhD level courses. Uh, the workload as well as the uh, exceptions are different, I would say. Especially first semester, um, we started to know um, a lot of different theories, which were really new to me. So to myself, it's a self-identity exploration process. And the pain is not from the outside pressure, it's from inside. You, like me, I started to uh, reconstruct myself because all the beliefs I believed has been destroyed. And I, I need to find myself in the middle of the reconstruction. So that was a self-doubt um, period 
and as well as the pressure from the pandemic. I would say I didn't find the outside environment had an impact on me until this time, the pandemic, as a Chinese. I started to felt unsafe and um, a lot of self-doubt as well because my parents, my friends, my relatives in China, they started to say, okay, you are alone with all the young kids and you felt stressed. Why don't you just come back? And uh, I also worried about my parents as well. Uh, they are um, aged and what if they get affected? And I was not around with them. I could offer nothing, uh, financial support or mental support or physical support. Uh, so a lot of different feelings come together during that time. And that was difficult. Um, also, my advisor was new to the department. So she is trying to figure out what's going on about the system, about registration and a lot of things. So we need to support each other as well. Um, but now I felt much better, but still in the process of um, finding myself in different voices, like uh, what was my position and uh, why should I do this? Um, what do I use this for? And how could I help other or support other people. Um, I think I became stronger in the process, even though it was not easy. And I found the meaning of working on a PhD so far, <laughs> like now. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your uh, dissertation topic or what you're interested in studying? Mm-hmm. Um, when I came to this program, I was interested in uh, cross-cultural uh, differences. Like when I was in China as an English teacher, I was trying to bring the Western culture to my Chinese students who are um, planning to study abroad. And when I started to um, immerse myself in this country in this culture, I found a lot of myth I introduced to my students. <laughs> also, uh, probably wrong information or um, how to say, biased information uh, in the test books or in the materials, in the concepts. And when I was in the teacher education programs in the United States, I also found um, many preservist teachers here have biases uh, towards different cultures. So I'm interested in doing cross-cultural and intercultural communications to help people have a better understanding about multicultural people's background, especially when we have more people uh, in school settings who are from different countries or from different uh, cultural backgrounds. Uh, currently, I would like to 
introduce the intercultural communication and the cross-cultural communication concepts to dual language programs. Uh, I was, I'm serving as a board member at a charter school and that's a emerging dual language school. They offer Chinese and English and Korean languages and the students can choose two uh, languages. For example, they can study English as well as uh, Chinese or Korean. And that was 50-50% of instruction time. So I would like to know the students and the teachers' perspectives of learning two cultures together and how could they um, bring these similarities and the differences into classroom teaching. You know, and I'm sorry, I didn't ask mm -hmm. you earlier, what part of China are you from? And can you tell us a little bit about like your hometown? Um, it's a little bit, bit complicated. I lived in five cities. I uh, was, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I was born in uh, Jilin province. Uh, that was the, um, it, uh, let me see. <laughs> Uh, North is the part of China. Uh, the winter is very cold and summer is nice. Uh, then after my uh, undergraduate, I moved to Liaoning province, which was close to Jilin, but north and near the sea. And then I moved to Shenzhen, the southern part of China uh, to do uh, school business. And then I moved to Beijing, the capital city of China. And after my marriage, I moved to Boto in Mongolia with my husband for about five years. So before coming to the United States, I taught English and do um, related school management uh, jobs for about 14 years. That's really awesome. I mm -hmm. I went to China, man, this had to be probably like 10 or 12 years ago. This was such a long time ago. I, I was in uh, Beijing and Shanghai, I think, mm -hmm. like when I went. So I always like to ask that question so I can learn a little bit more. But I'll have to pick your brain when I come to Georgia at some point. <laughs> so you can help me like learn more about like the different areas to go to. Yeah, yeah. And I have to acknowledge your beautiful kid, too. So can you tell us? Oh, it's your Hello. daughter. I always saw hair. <laughs> she's so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Thank and she's you. two now, right? Yeah. She will turn two, three uh, in August. Well, those of you listening on our podcast platform, uh, G's daughter is super beautiful. So I have to, I have to acknowledge that, too. <laughs> so... <laughs> If you had to say, what's your what's your favorite part about being a mom? Um, I think being a mom could help us to uh, see ourselves better. Our um, how to say shortages <laughs> uh, to make better to make me a better person. I think uh, they are like a mirror. And uh, I can see all my uh, patients or my uh, areas need to be improved from them. I think that's a good point. It's, it, 
I like that you said they're like a mirror because I know when I look at my kids, I I do a lot of self-reflection too. Things mm. that I want to do better or I'm very, I'm a lot more conscious about what I do in front of them as well. Do yeah. you find yourself doing that? Like um, questioning some of like your old behaviors and mm-hmm. have you made a lot of adjustments? Uh, yes, I think I'm um, more realistic <laughs> and more <laughs> patient. Like uh, as an educator, it's very easy to give people advices. I don't know if you have the similar experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, before being a mom, I was a teacher and I always uh, tell my students, parents, okay, this is a better way and you can do like this and your children can behave better. But it's not like this at all. Uh, Wise was a mom, I started to realize that every child is different. They behave differently. They they are thinking different and their development is different too. So um, I started to pay more attention on each child when doing my job as an educator. I started to be patient, but not to generalize all the um, children's difficulties and try to give them one solution to solve all the problems. And this benefit me and benefit my career as well. And I wanted to ask you too, how did some of your, uh, or how did your program in particular impact your relationships with friends, with, you know, like family, with other students? Did it impact your relationship? Um, I think it, it has a great impact on <laughs> the, the relationship between me and my husband. Um, because as an international student, I'm holding an F1 visa. And that means, um, my husband is an F2 visa holder and he is a spouse uh, to support my study. And he's not allowed to work. So if this program is five years long, he cannot work for five years in this country. And that is his best period of time in his life. Like he's 35 and um, then he will turn to over 40 when I finish this. And in this five or six or uh, even longer years uh, until I got a job here or get uh, change my um, immigrant status, he is not um, legally <laughs> allowed to work here. Uh, so that was a tension between me and him because he has to um, devote himself to support my study and take care of the children for a lot of time. And sometimes I felt guilty because he sacrificed his job time uh, 
to support me, and if I cannot do good um, in this program, I felt uh, stressful and guilty at the same time. Uh, you know, in this feeling because other people try to um, do everything to 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 support you, and you don't want to let them down. So this is the. Um, I completely get that because I think there is a lot of guilt, right? Like when you when you enter a program, like um, I know uh, my former partner, I like we had he and I um, put a lot of pressure on each other during that time, and then you feel mom guilt because you're like, am I paying enough attention to the kids? And then you know your support system, am I asking them for too much help? So I can see, I can kind of, I've been seeing that as a trend with our doctoral moms that uh, the programs definitely put a lot of stress on the programs. And we've been working on curriculum and trainings to sort of help our moms navigate those situations as well, because um, we definitely don't want to, we want you to come out on the other side, right, with some very healthy, positive relationships. and I, I have to say, when I, when I very first read your story, I was really shocked that your husband wasn't allowed to work. I, it made me realize that I'm not as familiar with the international student uh, like regulations as I, as I thought I, I, I was. I worked in higher ed for over 10 years, and I was, I was like so shocked when I read that. And it made me think, is this realistic? How can they really support their family if um, if you put this heavy restriction on them? I don't think that's fair. So because of you, we actually uh, added an international, um, an international student expert to our board so we could sort of start navigating through some of those regulations too. So hopefully we'll have an even bigger impact because of you, you sparked that whole thing. So hopefully we'll have like a big, big impact. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I think I can understand the uh, rationale be- behind this policy because as an international student, we're supposed to support our studies uh, by our own, our own. So before we came, we have to show the financial um, support to support our studies uh, for at least for the first year. So we can get a visa to come in the country. And I think mm, this policy came out to say, okay, you are international student. You come to this country to finish your study on your own and you have enough um, like funding to support yourself. Then your spouse needs to take care of your kid or um, have no financial stress just to support your study, to get this study done. Um, so there won't be um, financial stress for other departments in this country. Yeah, we, we need support uh, from our spouse like now, um, my husband needs to do something and uh, I need to take care of this too. So we share the responsibilities. But sometimes I felt that uh, 
it is very stressful as well because both of us have had a career in China before coming to the United States and、uh, Coming to pursue this degree means I need to、uh, quit my job, and I sold my school as well because I had a school、uh, in Balto、uh, for five years, and he had to quit his career.、Uh, he was a real estate in China for many years too, so he lost a lot of connections and resources. I wish I could just steal you, G. I have to say, like, if we had the funding now, I would totally try to steal you. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I just, because I, I went through some, I went through、uh, a lot of those things too. Like my, I ended up leaving a job, and then、um, I was unemployed for like a year of my program. That was like, that was like terribly tough, and then.、Um, They're,、uh, I, I say they're dead now versus my ex. They're dead because、uh, I'm a single mom now. Recently, I recently became a single mom like a year ago, and、um, like the same thing. He ended up losing his employment. So at a certain point, we were both unemployed at the exact same time, and it was just something else. But、uh, I'm hoping that once you're done with your program, like all these opportunities just like fall into your lap because you seem like such an awesome person. Like if I had it, I would totally like be trying to steal you from my company. I'll be honest. So maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll see what happens in three years, and like I might just like try to try to hire you, even, no matter where you are in the world. To be honest. Thank you so much. This is really、uh, encouraging. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you a lot. I think it's cool that you had a school too. Tell tell me a little bit about that. Like,、uh, what was the age group that you had?、Uh, actually, my first job was an、uh, uh, instructor at a college. Then I realized that I was too young to be a professor to teach. College students, because at that time that was, oh my gosh, seventeen、uh, years ago, sixteen <laughs>、oh, years ago、uh, in China, with an undergraduate degree, we are able to teach undergraduate level、uh, classes. Now it was not possible, but during that time that was,、um, I would say, common, and.、Uh, When I was、uh, when I graduated, it started to become、uh, hard, and I was the only one in the whole city to、uh, got a job as a college level instructor with a college level degree. <laughs> um, but I felt not confident enough to teach the kids with my age. Like we are in the similar. Age. I was twenty-two, and my students were eighteen to twenty. And、um, I quit that job because I wanted to improve and to learn, to get stronger. That's why I moved to Shenzhen,、uh, much more developed city. I started to、uh, work as a teacher and became a operational manager of a school, and I taught adults.、Uh, Most of them are adults to learn English from zero to advanced level. Then、um, I moved to Beijing, 
um, most of the students will be adults in the schools in Beijing. But in Beijing, that was a challenging job as well. Uh, I started to, no, I would say I started three schools in one year in different areas in Beijing. And the uh, mean um, age of the students are middle schoolers and adults. And all of them will, most of them will use English as a tool in their work, or they will study abroad in different countries, in English speaking countries. And the school I started by myself, um, that was in Balto in the Mongolia. And I had a partner as well. Uh, he passed away at the beginning of this year. Um, so that school, we had very younger kids, three years old and two adults. And uh, we have different school uh, groups of teachers um, for teaching younger kids and for teaching uh, high school students, very few adult students, um, put them together. We have um, probably 200 students in total. Yeah, that was that's incredible, G. I have to <laughs> say, like, and I'm listening to you. You said you taught at 22, so I like I did the same thing after my grad program too. I tried to. I was 22 and I tried to teach. It's so awkward. Like, it's very awkward to look at students who are like double, triple your age. And like, um, did you find yourself trying to appear to be older than what you really were, or like how did how was that in the classroom? Uh, yes, uh, I remember that I dressed very maturely, <laughs> like uh, very formal dress and I tried to behave like adults. But sometimes I didn't know what should I do uh, before providing any suggestions to my students. But to, my, to be honest, I found very impressive um, at the first year of my career, because I had one student uh, who tried to kill me in the office, or I would say he tried to die with me <laughs> in the office. Um, he got a lot of stress from his family and started uh, college uh, after this um, cruel entrance examination to universities. Then he started to show some psychology, psychological, no, problems in mental problems, I would say like this, but his behavior cannot tell. I didn't have the experience to tell that his behavior is related to the mental problems. That's why after all the feedbacks and the reflections from his peers and from his roommates, I um, choose to talk to him in person after his training in the morning. We had training in the morning, like uh, all the students came out in the playground and running for 1000 meters and then they go back to their school life. So after this, they, I um, kept him and tried to talk to him. 
but this is this was um, um, humiliation to him. Like this was very embarrassed, uh, according to his description. So after one hour of our talk, he um, went to my office, locked the door, and tried to die with me uh, because he said it was so embarrassed, and I don't want to live anymore. And you are going to um, go to hell with me. And that was very impressive, and that was the motivation for me to pursue a higher degree and get more experience, because I was not prepared to uh, see to 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 have the professional knowledge to help different students and uh, meet their needs. Uh, another example happened in the first year of teaching too. One of the girls uh, tried to suicide. And uh, in the middle of the night, I got a phone call from her roommates and I tried to find her um, in the <laughs> seashore. Like uh, we, our school located in a city near to the beach, very close to the beach. And after talking with her, I started to understand her uh, stress and all her stories and uh, how much she has to carry on her shoulder in addition to study. Uh, and I realized that I didn't know about this. I didn't know that every student may be uh, stressed, not because of study, but they have additional things. They were not kids anymore. They were adults and I was not mature enough to offer some extra support. Um, that was because of, partially because of the educational system is different uh, in China. A lot of students will focus on study and the parents don't need uh, the students to pay attention to other things, just to focus on study. That was the student's business. And the other life business, money business will be the parents' stress. But when they uh, started college, that was another thing. They started to face a lot of challenges from different angles and they had no experience to solve those problems. And for me, I had no experience as well because I was about two or three years uh, older than them. Even though I tried to behave like a um, knowledge or experienced person, but inside I was not like that way. Even though I have been teaching for 16 years so far, I became more humbled uh, when I was teaching because I found that I can learn a lot from my students. I was not teaching or offering knowledge. Actually, this is a communication as well. We learn from each other. Uh, that's the biggest gains from studying abroad, studying in a different country. Actually, I uh, went to London in 2012 to uh, do professional development and got a TESOL certificate as well. But that was a short time, about two months. Um, for now, I lived in the United States for about four years and a half. I deeply understand that every people is different. And as an educator, 
we need to pay attention to the difference uh, in terms of their acquisition level, uh, language level, development level, <laughs> and mental level, understanding level in different aspects. Uh, we need to study the students before offering any support. I'm wondering, um, we're coming close to the to the hour, and I'm just wondering, are there any other things that you want to um, share with our audience about you, about, you know, anything about the future? Um, we're probably going to invite you back, by the way. So don't feel like <laughs> you have to share everything now. <laughs> um, I don't know about the other people, but for a lot of international or transnational people, we have a connection, strong connection with our, our family and our culture. So normally when we choose a career, there will be always some people say, okay, you can come back and you, you need to be close with your parents. So I really don't know what will happen after this, uh, but I definitely make sure that uh, I will focus on education and I will try my best to uh, offer help and support more pre-service teachers and other teachers because my goal is to do uh, teacher education after this degree. Um, also, another thing I would like to uh, mention for all the doctoral moms, <laughs> don't stress ourselves at the beginning or uh, don't feel struggled with all the decisions. Uh, once we made a decision, we focus on the steps and uh, to uh, reach the goal with 100% efforts and the future will turn out bright. That was from my experience in the past 15 years. Uh, if I do every step with my efforts, I tried my best, um, the results will be good. So don't feel panic uh, with all the decisions or choices. Uh, that was the hardest part. Once we made decision and we focus on it and do it right. So that's what I learned. Well, it's been such a pleasure um, talking to you, I have to say. And by chance, is your five-year-old there too? He's downstairs. <laughs> so I always do this thing if like the kids are nearby. I ask them, I always say, uh, what's your favorite thing about your mom? And the answers are always great. <laughs> so next time we talk if your son is nearby i'll just tell you i'm gonna ask i i get like the best answers answers that uh i won't spoil it because the kids always say like the best things yes yes uh they are how to say uh sometimes there are the stress but most of the time uh i, I cannot keep stop uh, smiling <laughs> yeah. because of their behaviors and the sweet words. I agree. It's something about kids. They just like, they always figure out a way to make you smile. My daughter, mm -hmm. um, I share, I've shared this a couple of times with different people uh, on the podcast, but I was telling my daughter to stop jumping on the couch 
And she looked at me and stopped jumping and said, mom, just be happy mm. and kept jumping. Wow. <laughs> and I love, and I said, oh, it was like super clever. Cause she's, she was basically telling me to just have a good time, like relax and slow down. And I, I didn't jump on the couch with her. I probably, probably would break my couch, but um, we definitely, we definitely took a couple hours and just like, I turned off all the, the computers and TV and we just like had fun. Yes. So, yes. Kids are great. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they would just say, turn to me and say, mom, I love you. Yeah. With, with no reason or uh, like no additional uh, requests, but they just show their feelings and that was touching. Well, I'm going to have to leave the podcast on that note because that was such a beautiful thing, I have to say. Um, yeah, my son, my son, uh, my oldest has recently randomly started like coming up to me, giving me hugs and saying, thank you, mom. And I never know what I did. <laughs> <laughs> or he'll say like, uh, good job. And mm. I'm like, okay. Cause it, I'll just pour him a couple juice or something, or hand him a snack, and he tells me good job. So I'm pretty. It makes me proud every time I do the little things. Yeah, I do have a question. Do you feel guilty sometimes because uh, our busy schedule cannot just the, um, accompany with the kids a lot? All the time, all the time. I especially in the program, I used to feel like that, and then. Mm-hmm. What I started doing to sort of combat that, I would ask like my friends and family, like, hey, how do you think I'm doing? And then they'll, they'll, you know, give you perspective and say, oh, you're doing great. Like, you know, you spent all this time with the kids and, you know, you took them to the park yesterday and now you guys are watching movies. Sometimes you need other people to, to, tell you that you're a great mom it can't just be you trying to like figure it out because as you know we're academic we'll always question everything Mm. so so we're we're extremely hard on ourselves we're just like we're just like born to be like uh analytical in that way so Mm -hmm. I think you're doing a great job I see your daughter you know come in and like checking on you she's trying to still talk to you and you're still somehow interviewing with me and balancing her and I I think it's great I think you're doing perfect (laughs) thank you (laughs) I need that (laughs) well I'll tell you I'm telling you I could schedule some some messages randomly and just send it to you I don't mind (laughs) I do that I, I, I have friends that do that for me too like it's just a quick reminder like hey you're you're a good mom don't worry because mm. we do get busy and it's okay we may have days where we're working you know 12 16 hours like every now and then and the thing to always remember is that you're doing it for your kids too and you, mm. and you have to make the sacrifice so that in the long run you could really spend that quality time with them um a parent a parent who's much much more ahead than us their kids are like in their 20s and 30s now shared this piece of advice and said, you know, real parenting actually starts when the kids turn 18. That's mm. when they have to make all of their biggest life decisions. Mm. So it's okay if you're making, you know, sacrifices now as far as time, because you'll likely spend even more time with them as adults to make sure you, you know, help them with school and navigate and buy a house and relationships. 
and yeah because I, I call my mom like every single day now I probably talk to her way more now than I think even when I was a kid I harass her like all day so, <laughs> <laughs> so I think um I think you're doing fine I think you are doing amazing you have three toddlers <laughs> by yourself is, uh, and a career and it is really hard to imagine and how could you do this I have no idea yeah <laughs> so that's it and when people ask me that I'm I tell them that all the time like I, I seriously have no idea but it's just something incredible about moms like I just feel like we always just figure it out anyway mm. yeah it, it's not a easy um, process but the results will be good if we believe in it well gee I have to say you're like my new hero too so. <laughs> like I'm so like I'm so like impressed by you like you had a school and you you like you took a huge risk you weren't scared to leave the country and you know you're a traveler and like I'm just like I'm super impressed by you I have to say thank you Um, I can't wait to go to Hawkinsville so I could drive to you too. Thank you so much for the time. No problem. It was nice to meet you. And uh, okay, well, I'll talk to you soon. And thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you a lot.